0: in hard to believe we're in week four which is halfway through our men's study for this fall uh so it's it seems to go by so fast every time we every time we say that it it just seems like it always gets by fast but we are in week four halfway point we're in chapter seven and eight of battle ready by steve ferrar and before we dive into chapter seven and eight i kind of wanted to take a a step back because it is a men's study and I wanted us to talk about just for a few minutes, you know, as we're going into the second half of the study, why is it important for us as as men specifically? Some of these things are general concepts that apply to everybody. But as we're thinking about this as, as guys, as men, why is it important for us as men to be thinking about the concepts that we've already talked about and that we're going to be talking about over the next three weeks? What are your thoughts?
1: My, my, personally, I think that two things and both of these go together bad things are gonna happen mm-hmm. you're gonna face adversity you're gonna face giants you're I mean that is an inevitability of life that's the first time I've said that word right ever
0: you did uh, uh, thank you well I'm um, sorry you did well uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't want the one's the government police uh, right thank
1: you YouTube um but uh you're so you're gonna face adversity the bad things are gonna happen our default I think as men is I'm gonna fix it that's the mm-hmm. default. Yeah. And so specifically to men, I think that's why this is important because I, I, I'm, not, I'm just speaking for myself. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not. I'm speaking for you're, millions of you're men.
0: You're speaking for millions Let's of men everywhere. Be
1: honest. We, we want to fix it. Yeah. And so to to understand that, <laughs> there that's well, to kind of change our uh, the way that we look at it, and kind of try to change our default to something else which yeah. is okay let let's god's gonna take care of this you know, right. let i don't have to fix everything myself I, my primary if i see it if i look at it through my eyes um then sometimes i'll be like joshua and caleb yep and oh yeah this is doable but sometimes I'm going to be like the ten spies, ten other spies, mm-hmm. and I'm going to say this is over, this is too much. Yeah, and and and, and so you get in, I'm, so it it kind of switches. We need to work on, and this is a lifelong process, I think, for a lot of men. I know it's something that you always have to work on because you're yeah. is just kind of changing your default to going to God first rather than I'm going to fix this.
0: Yeah, because we don't like doing that. We we do want to be in control. Not, yes. And it's, we, 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 we don't, sometimes it is it is extremely difficult, not sometimes, a lot of times, it is extremely difficult for us to step back yes. and not be in the driver's seat. That's right. Uh, physically, and literally and physically, you know, it's just, it's hard for us to do that.
1: Yes.
0: And so we do have to step back when we hit these, when we hit the road bumps and when we hit the giants and when we hit the, like he talked about last week, the, the time of maintenance and monotony. And especially for me, I think that's probably the hardest one is maintenance and monotony is because I want things moving forward. I don't like being I don't like waiting. I don't like being stuck in a, in a period of whatever it is. I don't like waiting. I want things to be done, and I I like to be able to look backwards and see the progress. Oh, yeah. And so when you're when you're stuck in a position of, I'm I'm telling you, you have to wait for a minute. Yeah. I don't like that. So it and that's.
1: I think that's most mental. I think it is. We're very impatient.
0: We are. Just look at us on the road. <laughs> so.
1: Look at me on the way here. <laughs>
0: that's right. <laughs> i get behind so many cars yeah right yeah so but i did want us to think about that as we're going forward because I, I do think it is important for us to remember that as as men specifically uh, there's things here that we really need to pick up on and that that will help us be better men as we lead our families as we lead in our church and as we lead at work so um <clears throat> so chapter seven and chapter eight i wanted to hit a, a few quick highlights and then um I'm going to tell you where I kind of got stuck after we hit these highlights, and where I've kind of camped out on, and camped out is going to be f- symbolic here in a minute. Um, but chapter seven was titled "Highwire Promotion," and chapter seven deals with the idea of Joshua is is moved from, uh, you know, he's gone from slave to important person to Moses to one of the twelve leaders to the leader. And it's happened over a period of... part of it happened pretty quickly, but then the other part happens after 40 years. Uh, But he's given a pretty significant promotion uh, to be the leader of this group, which started out as 2 million people and has probably grown since then. And there is a danger in these, these kind of events in our lives. And when you have success, there's a, there's a the danger of ambition, and Farrar kind of goes through two different kinds of ambition in chapter seven. He talks about authentic ambition, which is the good ambition. This is the ambition that is driven by the things that I'm doing. I want to do to please God, and that's where that's where we want to be. And then he he counters that with what he called arsenic ambition, which I thought was an interesting I, concept. I thought, yeah. Uh, because you know, when you think of arsenic, it's the it's the poison. It is it it is what kills. And he, you know, he says that's the one that's the ambition that is the intent and the purpose is to glorify myself and to not be focused on what God wants. And so that's where we were in chapter seven. And Joshua had to be very careful to avoid this arsenic ambition. And the way that Farrar counters that with, well, how is he gonna deal with arsenic ambition? How do we deal with arsenic ambition? And he said, you know, you have to have a compass and you have to have a map, and you have to be going in the right direction. And in chapter seven, he specifically focuses on we we've got to be and and the step step back for just a second, Farrar went into the section of where God tells Joshua, you know, three times, right. be strong and courageous. And you do have to kind of wonder why did he have to keep repeating himself? Uh, you know, we don't get the full interaction between God and Joshua. Right. So you have, I think, there is an inference there that Joshua has some fears that he has to overcome. Yeah. And what Ferrar points out in this in this chapter is we we have to be strong and courageous because we have God's promises of what He's going to do. We have God's word. You know, we can trust what God is saying because of what He's already done. And then we also have God's presence. And God's presence was, uh, was key during the time that they were in the wilderness. It was key during the time that they were traveling because God's presence was physically with them. So all those things are what you have to have in order to avoid this arsenic ambition. And so that's where we were in chapter 7. And then, I'm sorry, yeah, chapter 7. And then chapter 8 was the worst possible time. And I kind of got excited because... Uh, I think next week is the week that I've been looking forward to the most Mm -hmm. uh, talking about the Jordan River crossing. Uh, So I got excited. um, Then I realized it wasn't the right week. Uh, But there is some really good stuff in this part, too. Uh, But chapter eight was titled The Worst Possible Time. And he's he's going to be talking about in chapter nine, he is going to be getting into the into the Jordan River crossing. And he's going to talk about how poor timing i'm air quoting poor timing it was to cross the jordan river and but in order to understand the jordan river crossing you really have to understand the red sea crossing first uh, because they're they're similar um and you have to understand the red sea crossing and he he camps out in chapter eight on the red sea crossing and um i've got a few things i want to touch on on that in just a second um but the red sea crossing was an unforeseen event and, and I'm going to air quote unforeseen again, because uh, it was not our unforeseen to God, right. and that's where I want us to talk about here in just a second. But unforeseen events, for our talks about unforeseen events, uh, there are no unforeseen events. Unforeseen events can shake us, and unforeseen events can shape us. And so that's where we were in these chapters. And where I wanted to camp out for a second, and if you can— bear with me on some i my kids accuse me of giving too much detail uh so but i think it's important because i camped out on this red sea crossing Mm -hmm. and i was thinking about this and i I was looking at the passage this is i'm just going to read some excerpts from exodus uh so this is exodus 12 and you know the context is the 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 passover has happened the the firstborn are dead and uh it Pharaoh has said, get out. I want you to go. Just take your stuff and leave. I don't, I don't want you here anymore. And so that's where we are in Exodus chapter 12. And I'm just going to start reading some excerpts through here. Um, and it says, and the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. A mixed multitude also went up with them and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. So you got 600,000 fighting men plus the women and children, uh, plus the men that are beyond fighting age, plus all the extra people that they've got, right. plus herds yeah. and livestock. So you've got a huge, got a yeah. you got a lot going on, and they, they've left. Yeah. So you've got these people traveling through the wilderness, leaving Egypt. And it says, this is in chapter 13, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. I think the NLT says it was the shortest route to the promised land um, <clears throat> to go through the land of the Philistines. For God said, lest the people change their mind when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea, and the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped quit for battle. So the first thing I think of is God intentionally did not lead them through the Philistines because that was going to be too hard for them. Right. He was afraid they would turn back. Instead, he leads them towards the Red Sea. Right. Um, so they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud, and by night as a pillar of fire. So God's with them, leading them. And then you get to the Red Sea. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people to turn back. So he's already, they're, they're going forward toward the Red Sea. And then God says, now I want them to turn around and come back the other way. And... <clears throat> And it says to encamp in front of some Egyptian word. I have no idea how to say pi pie, something yep. uh, between Migdal and the sea in front of Baal And you shall encamp facing it by the sea for Pharaoh will say to the people. Pharaoh will say to the people, they are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. And I will set glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And then later it says, the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he pursued the people while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. And the Egyptians pursued them, all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen in his army. And they overtook them and encamped them by, and overtook them and encamped at the sea by a pie something in front of Baal Zephon. So number one, God, God didn't want them going to go into the land of the Philistines because it was going to be too hard. Instead, he sends them out into the wilderness on the longer route. Right. After they've gone for a while, he tells them to turn around and start heading back the other way because he's intentionally going to harden Pharaoh's heart to pursue them, to trap them by the scene. And what Ferraro is getting at with this passage was sometimes God puts us into crisis. Um, not that he, yeah,
1: I'm
0: not that he caught... But he does, doesn't he? Um, that's, that's,
1: that is not that he causes bad explain. things. Well, I was reading about the, uh, in here on page 169, where he talks about there's there are no unforeseen events. Right. And he brings up Joseph. And it's interesting that he brought up Joseph because mm-hmm. the first time, I, I noticed that the first time I read this book, however many years ago, I'm a different person than I was then. Mm-hmm. And so I read it differently. And he says, you know, he, he does say that um, he did want to make one critical point. He said, God is never the author of evil. Right. And so it, it, this is this is one of those situations where it's often the case when we try to explain, when we get into, okay, I'm going to explain to you why God did this. Right. We, we, we have to tread lightly there because there are things in this, in this text that you just read yeah that i can't fully explain right and and particularly the why yeah like i'm not going to get into the why i can tell you what happened right but when you ask me well, why would god do that
0: Mm
1: -hmm. i'm out i'm not gonna because i not not that we shouldn't question why i think that's Mm -hmm. great to to have those conversations yeah but to just flat out here you know get up here and say okay i'm going to tell you if yeah, uh, sit down, partner, Let right? Me, I'm, I'm gonna tell you why God does this stuff, okay? Yeah. And that's that just feels arrogant to me, mm-hmm. and I, I can't, I'm not, I can't, I can't do that, nor do I think that's my job, yeah, is to explain why. Mm-hmm. But certainly, um, when you know, when he talks about Joseph that struck a chord with me yeah. this time through that didn't the first time through. And I think because Joseph has become my favorite, uh, maybe my favorite dude in the old Testament, at least mm-hmm. today, right. um, <laughs> because he, you know, it took it. I I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of details that's left out when Joseph is right. in prison and all that stuff. But when he gets to where, you, you know, he, I, I don't know if it just dawns on him when he's talking with his brothers, uh-huh. you know. Um but, you know, they they're afraid after Jacob dies.
0: Right. They're they nervous
1: because they're like, "Oh, now there's nothing to stop him from, you know, going Killing nuts us. on us, right?" And so J, uh Joseph, you know, calms him down and says, "Look, I I I'm, I'm not that guy. Right. I'm not I understand now." Right. And, and I wonder if that was it. I wonder if I, this is how I look at it and I don't mean to say I'm right I just this is how I read into what Joseph went through mm-hmm. I, I, I doubt I don't think is too strong a word but maybe what what I'm what I'm trying to get at is Joseph I think Joseph spent a lot of time had to had to in prison wondering man went
0: what in what the world did I do, do? yeah what did I do to I do? made the right choice right? And, 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 and this so is where I,
1: I think it. not that he ever doubted God, or or just you know, rejected God. He stayed faithful. Mm-hmm. But you have to think that there's some time. is, I don't know what's happened with all this. Yeah, I don't know why this keeps happening to me. And I think there, in my mind, there is this light bulb moment with Joseph mm-hmm. that it dawns on him. Oh, okay.
0: This is what happened. This is why it happened. This is
1: why it happened. You, you mm-hmm. guys, my brothers, mm-hmm. you wanted to do evil to me. This was evil on your part. God had nothing to do with the evil of this. In fact, God put me here. God used all of that mm-hmm. to bring me to the place where I can save.
0: Not just you, but everybody.
1: All these people, right? And so, well, even- but he still didn't say, he he still didn't say, explain why God did it. Yeah. Right? Like there was no why. There was a, oh, I realized. What happened, and I realized that. Um, but the why, to me, was the evil wasn't of God; it was from you guys. Yeah, right. You guys, but God used it. That intent, But God did something else with it. So uh, again, you that. So to me, that clears a lot up from the passage that you read. Mm-hmm. Um, is in the moment you don't really see why, right, and. And so I think that it's, I don't know, I, anytime I'm trying to explain why God does stuff yeah, um, in my own life, or I say, God does not cause evil.
0: Yeah, me, he does but I
1: can say that again. Mm-hmm. God does not cause evil, right? But um, anytime I try to explain things like um, when I question why am I in this situation? Mm-hmm. um I don't get an answer until usually later on, right? Right, And
0: um, when you can look back and see the full context.
1: Back, yeah. And I think that's what Joseph was doing.
0: Yeah.
1: It, it, you know, and I think that's a good example for all of us.
0: Yeah. Um, well, th- right, let me answer this. Do you think that young Joseph just fresh out of the pit with the Ishmaelites would have been in a position to say, look, I know you guys, <laughs> you guys intended harm for me me in the pit. But God had something else in mind. Yeah. No. Do you think young Joseph has that capacity?
1: No, because I don't think I, I don't think Joseph was, uh, you know, emotional intelligence.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know that I don't think Joseph had a lot of emotional intelligence. I don't think yeah. either he was very cocky or he was just very clueless. Yeah. Because you don't or a combination. You a, yes, maybe a combination of both. Because you don't, if you have a dream about your brothers bowing <laughs> down to you, you probably don't want to tell them.
0: That. Yeah, it's probably not a good idea.
1: Hey, guess what I dreamed last night, guys? You're all going to worship gonna me. me. Isn't that crazy?
0: <laughs> yeah, hey, it you is, know, sure it here. is. Here, I, show you something. <laughs> <laughs> I dropped a quarter down in the pit. Will yeah, you go grab you, it for me? What we'll
1: what's down here. <laughs> um, but yes, but I think that's it. I, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And, I, and I think it, when you say that, I think. There, it's it reminds me of something that Scott always tells me is and and i he, he's, he's told me this, um, and I have to keep reminding myself that the spirit reveals truth to you in the time that you are ready to receive it. Mm-hmm. And so, I think that's I think we I think we understand truth, and I think we understand in retrospect because. There are times where we're not ready to receive certain things. Mm-hmm. And we have to get to a point where we are.
0: Yeah. And so, you mentioned Joseph too, because he's brought up here too. Um oh, where is it? When Moses when they leave, it says that Moses takes the bones of Joseph.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Because Joseph knew that they were going to be leaving. Right. So he understood, he remembered the promise right. that had been given to his Great granddad? <laughs> yeah. is that right? The great granddad? Let's say yeah, Joseph, yeah. Jacob, Isaac, Abraham. Abraham yeah, so great granddaddy great great-granddad. grandpappy. Yeah. yeah, you think he called him great grandpappy? Uh, absolutely <laughs> But he remembered that promise and he remembered that Egypt was not where they were going to stay. Right. And so Joseph, through his life experiences, was able to look back and say, I understand why all this is happening, Mm -hmm. and I know where we're going. And so he had a different perspective. Absolutely, Uh, but like you said, it it took a lot of things happening for him to be able to have that perspective. And I think that's where we, with the Israelites here, camped out in front of the sea. um, You know, God did not. I don't. You know, it says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, and I think people have a hard time with that too. Uh, Pharaoh's heart was already hardened; he was not going to accept. God for who He is and what God wanted. Um, So you know, Pharaoh was already going to do the evil that he was going to do. Um, But God, and we see later in chapter fourteen, you know, basically Moses tells the people, "Stop being afraid, and you need to just sit quietly and watch what God is going to do." And that is cool. Uh, uh,
1: That's one of my favorite.
0: Next, I think he says the. He says, Fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. And this is a f- Exodus 14, verse 13. Um, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you only have to be silent. And I think that goes back to what you said a little while ago. We don't, as men, we don't like to be silent. They wanted to fix it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and they had. Zero capability to fix their problem because they were camped out in in the place where they were. And I I think God did do this part. He put them in a position where they were going to be in crisis. He didn't cause the crisis, but he put them in a position where they're going to be in crisis, where there was only one way out. And that was through the power of God, because they were on one side. They had the mountains on another side. They had the sea. So they were impassable on those two sides. And then on the, on the other side, you've got the Egyptian army coming after them. Right. And so Moses says, look, you, you guys, uh, you, you can't fix this. This
1: is what we pray for. Um, I've, I've learned to pray that um, what, I, what I enjoy the most is where there's a situation, something happens, and the only explanation is that God did it and i think god does put us in situations where um uh, i don't see a way out. Yep. I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. I don't see how this is going to be resolved. And and there are and the only explanation and everything works out even better than you imagine.
0: Mm-hmm. And the
1: only explanation is that it, it is of god. Yeah. And for me now that's good enough. Yeah. Like, I don't need any more than that. Um, Now, again, 20 years ago. Right. You know, when I was seven, um, for sure, (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't say that, you know, because it's something that you do. And I and like going back to Joseph. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think Joseph could have said that at a younger age, you know, that. Even okay, I'm in prison, but I know that God is doing this. Yeah, He's gonna, you know, and, and and you know, I'm I'm sure He did trust in God and stuff, but I don't think He makes that statement right to his brothers. You know, if when he's when he's sold into slavery, I don't think he's ready to make right. that statement,
0: or because he's probably still even. a
1: little bit upset with.
0: All right, we're going back to last week. He's probably still a little bitter. Exactly. He hasn't learned from the brokenness yet. Yeah, that's right. And I'm not even that's sure, nice I mean, it. how long, it takes a while because he's still, he's still he. when he gets in the Potiphar's house, he's doing the right things. Mm-hmm. But even after doing the right things, he's still not quite ready yet. Yeah. So right. you're going to be in prison. And then even in prison, he does the right thing with the cupbearer. Mm-hmm. And – but then he still has to wait longer, you know, and then while he's in, but while he's in prison, that's where he's able to gain more trust. Right. And then a remembrance of, Oh wait, there's this guy in prison that did this. Um, so it takes all this time for all that to develop. And, you know, we even talked about, you know, we've talked about Moses. He you know, young Moses that kills the Egyptian is not ready to lead the people. He needs 40 years of seasoning in the desert. Right. Um, is the the forty years of seasoning for Joshua? Is that partially on, pers- per, um, partially on purpose to season Joshua? Right. You know, I mean, obviously it was a punishment to the people. Um, forty years is what it was going to take to cycle through everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but forty years, forty, you know, forty seems to be a good round number for uh, for things <laughs> in the Bible. Uh, so, but you know, that's that's where we are in that. I think the Joseph story is a great example uh, of being led into crisis, and I think, I think Tuesday, I think that's, I think that would be good for us to kind of camp out again some more. Um, obviously, we'll probably go through some more things, um, but God raises these difficult situations in our lives, and it's how are you going to deal with those situations that you find yourself in, um, because it. The, the people's answer was the wrong answer. It's like, just let us go back. You know, we should have we never left. Um, yeah. But God has something bigger in mind. And it's, it can be really hard to trust that God has something bigger in mind. Because yeah. um, his big plan was to, one, to show the people that, look, I am here with you. Trust me. Let me show you that you can trust me. Um, because he he uses these moments that he, in the past, to say, look backwards and see what I've done for you already. Because he's going to remind them, you know, I, I kept you through the wilderness. I protected you. I was there by night and by day. I protected you from Pharaoh. And he says, just let me, like, like Moses said, just sit still and watch what I'm going to do. Uh, and I think you could even say, sit still and look back at what I've already done. Yes. And so that's that. But that's where it's hard for us. We we get stuck in the moment, and we want to, like you said earlier, we want to fix it now, yeah. and we we don't take time to look backwards like Joseph did mm-hmm. to see what's happening. Any final thoughts before we wrap up?
1: Uh, this I'm. Um, I think
0: I said last week that that was my favorite. part of- <laughs> We always do. That's okay. Hey, every next week is going to be my favorite. This Right? This week, this one is my favorite but so I think far. We, yeah. <laughs>
1: Chapter eight specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it Like I said, reading the book, uh, it was 10, at least a decade ago.
0: Yeah. It was. When uh, I first read it. Well, it came out in 2008. Yeah. So, so when
1: I first read it, it was at least 10 years ago.
0: Yeah. And
1: maybe not quite 10 years ago. But anyway. Um, well, you were only eight back then. But I would yeah. Say. That's right. So, um, and, and reading through it again. Mm -hmm. you know, this, this, this many years later, I'm in I'm in a different place. Right. And, you know, you read things differently. Um, and it's, there were concepts. I'm not saying that I grasp all the concepts now. Right. Right. But I definitely read them differently. I definitely see it differently. I'm definitely not, um, I've lived a little bit more and I've seen Mm -hmm. a little bit more and I understand a little bit more about how God does, I think, he did that with his people, the Israelites, put them in a specific situation where there's no way you can get yourself out of this. Yep. Now, sit back. I'm going to get you out of it. And there are, there there were times where, you know, I would be in those situations and I would always, I'd be like the Israelites. Right. Uh, we should have just stayed in Egypt. Yep. You know? And. More now than used to, than back then. Now, when I'm put in those situations, I'm not saying it's easy, right. but it's easier for me to sit back, mm-hmm. and it's easier for me because I I think I have more to look back on. Yeah, and I yet in all the things that I've been through in my life, all the hard times that I've had in my life, I cannot name you one time where I can say God let me down. Right, God let me down right here. He he has come through every time mm-hmm. um not as quickly sometimes right sometimes, as i wish right but i can look i have enough to look back on now mm-hmm. and see he has come through every time so it makes it harder to doubt if you take time to look back it does not that we don't we, we still st- do. we still do but it makes it harder it makes it easier to sit back and wait on god when you have that much you know because they say. And this is crazy, because I heard Nick Saban say this years ago. I'm sure he's not the one he's, that came up with this. He's one of your favorite
0: people, yeah, too, isn't he? 100%. Right. 100%. Uh,
1: can't wait to hang out. Um, but I heard him say that the the, the the best indicator of future behavior is past behavior. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure he didn't come up with that. Yeah. But I've, that stuck with me.
0: Right. and Apply that to God.
1: Apply that to God. I mean, like, why would I continue to doubt when I have all of this to look back on mm-hmm. and say, okay, I can't name you one time he ever let me down. Why would I? Why would this be any different? Yeah. It makes it easier. Yeah. I'm not saying it makes it 100% yeah, it's
0: not easy, easy but, it's...
1: but you do get to a point. You get to that Joseph moment, mm-hmm. I
0: think. Yeah. I'm excited about sitting with the guys and talking about this yeah. this week.
1: Yeah, yeah i'm
0: gonna make it this week here i, I, I believe in I've you already guessed, i've already guessed my <laughs> spoiler that's what happened <laughs> um so this week guys read through uh, i encourage you to read through exodus chapters i would say 12 through 14 just read through the whole thing read through the whole story of of the exodus of the, of the red sea moment and uh, see what jumps out at you uh, see if anything new jumps out at you and i would also encourage you to go back and read the story of joseph yeah uh, it's a little bit longer but it's a it's definitely a good read I love it. it's all good so read through those things and uh pray that god opens up something for you and uh pray that god reminds you of where he's already mm-hmm. been with you and showing you what he's done for you We pray this out
1: God, help us to um, help us, God, to trust you more, uh, to uh, to look back on all the ways that you have blessed us, the ways that you have come through for us, the ways that you have um, taught us through uh, things that we that we thought were um, insurmountable, that, that things that we didn't feel like we could get past. Help us, God, not to rely on our own strength. Help us to to look back on the ways that you have carried us and and just help us to sit back and and wait and watch and know that you always come through. Uh, Father, help us to encourage each other through difficult times, through times of crisis. Um, Help us um, to just be uh, a support and an encouragement for one another during these periods of time. And God, help us to, um, to just be more like Joseph um, and uh, to understand God that all the evil that happens in our lives, it's from outside sources. And we know that you are not, that, that that's not how you work. You don't cause evil things to happen, God, but the, the things that you can do with what other people intend as evil for us Um, we've seen it over and over and we praise you for that and so God just help us to to take our hands off the wheel stop trying to control everything God and just lean on you sit back and watch Um, we thank you God for being there for us for taking care of us for redeeming us we thank you for the gift of your son it's in his name I pray
0: Amen.